The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. The Powell pause, earnings, and how about that jobs report? This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We are glad you're here. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk about the Annex Wealth Management Tax Smart Planning Strategy Review. Dave Spano, there's a figure in there that Eric Strom talks about, about just one case that stunned me about the potential tax savings for a potential client of Annex Wealth Management. That's on the way. Ask Annex is coming up. Toward the end of the show, do houses make terrible wealth transfer vehicles? Maybe, maybe not. It's an interesting case to talk about. We're going to talk about that. Also, before we get going too far, I just want to tell you the ink is barely dry on the Annex Wealth Management year-end tax planning guide. So it's a sign of the season, kind of like the Mariah Carey song on the radio (laughs) nowadays, right? I'm Danny Clayton. Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, is in the studio. Welcome. It's great to be here. Dave Spano, our President and CEO. Welcome to you. Yeah, thanks, pal. And uh, what a great setup. It's going to be a great show over the next hour. I hope you can join us. But you know what else was great, Brian, was the week in the markets. Really a nice rally, kind of a relief rally. I felt that we were a bit oversold, but we did have a really nice week this week. Yeah, on our investment committee, we were talking about this last week as far as how things were looking a little too glum. We were watching a lot of the uh, trading indicators that we like to watch as far as sentiment and the such. And all it really took was a little good news out of the U.S. Treasury as far as their plans for debt issuance. And then Chair Powell to actually sound a little bit more like a chicken instead of a hawk when it came to the monetary policy statement that came out on Wednesday to really set things on fire. Yeah, there was a lot of birds, and I don't want to sound like a dodo bird, but (laughs) up 6% on the S&P. Really a nice week. In fact, even on Friday, close positive. And, you know, part of that, let's go back to your chicken analogy. The treasury yields came down significantly. Mm -hmm. In some cases, 40 or 50 basis points in treasury market, that is an enormous move. It really is, especially when you consider those longer dated ones, Uh, the 30-year treasury. If you see a big move like that, I mean, that is some great gains. Those are equity-like gains that you see there. But that follows a few months worth of equity-like losses. Uh, The bond market has been a real source of volatility, probably a real source of worry for a lot of investors. And I think a lot of it just has to deal with back in August, the U.S. Treasury, they announced that they were going to be issuing a lot more debt. We know that there's problems as far as with deficit spending, the level of the debt, the interest rates that we're paying on it. And you have this vacuum of buyers. The Fed has been doing quantitative tightening, meaning they're not captive buyers of U.S. Treasuries. And so you have more supply, you have less demand. That's just a formula for those yields to go higher. But we got a bit of a reprieve of that. So maybe those fears were a bit overdone. On our investment committee, we actually thought that when bond yields started going up towards that 5% level, that could represent some decent long-term value for investors. And I do want to talk about that. Maybe we'll do that in the next segment. But of course, Janet Yellen saying what she said about interest rates and and the issuance of debt just doesn't make sense to us. But let's focus in on a couple of things. And that is a of course, the Fed had an announcement this week and Chair, not Chair Yellen, who was the previous <laughs> chair, but uh, currently Chair 
Powell was a bit dovish or chicken, mm-hmm. as you as you like to say, and the fact that it looks like a dovish statement. And here's the key. The interest rates that the Fed now has are above market rates, and that has always been an indicator. Mm-hmm. It really is. The Federal Reserve now has their target rate at 525 to 5.5%. That's where it's been since July. So if this is indeed a pause, the Powell pause, as we like to call it, we're about four months into it. When we look at history, go back to, say, 1995, the Fed was able to hold rates at that high level for about five months. Now, we're not saying that the Fed is going to start cutting, but we are in that pause period. At some point. At some point, they will. And the market is beginning to bet that it's going to be more of a mid-2024 story when they're going to start cutting rates. And that's the dot plots, or the dart plots, as I like to say. (laughs) You know, when do they guess that it's going to happen? But, you know, we just set up for the best week of 2023 this past week in, in equity returns. And in fact, interest rates coming back down, people's portfolios will look better when they look at them this past week than they have before. The last piece I do want to get to real quickly is the Labor Department came out with their payroll report, and it was as expected. Wage growth was down, and it's something that we haven't seen in manufacturing, but of course, those numbers were down as well in participation. All of those shows that the Fed's goal of raising rates has worked. That is a deep dive on the market. That is our Week in Review, available as a podcast and delivered Sundays in the Axiom newsletter. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, November 5th. We're going to be right back, 92.5 Fox News. As you grow wiser, your tax strategy should too. There's more to planning than accumulating, including safeguarding your wealth. Take a proactive approach to your tax planning. Get an Annex Wealth Management Tax Smart Strategy Review. Visit AnnexWealth.com slash TaxSmart. We're back. Quick reminder, this show is going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button if we can help. Depends on where you are on your journey, but we'll match up really well with either Annex Ignite, Annex Comprehensive Wealth, or Annex Private Client. In the studio, Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano, our President and CEO. Yeah, thanks, Danny. And of course, Brian, you don't get all of these letters after your name, like PhD and JD and all of these things, unless you're well read. Well, both of us read pretty often. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, things that we saw this week was the front page of Barron's, which is a great publication, said buy bonds. And and we both had a conversation about that. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of times people look at the newspapers and say, hey, if it's already on the front cover, that's like the peak. You want to, it's almost like a contrast indicator. But that's not entirely true. It's just we remember when they make the big, bold calls about, you know, the housing markets on fire or that, you know, bonds are the place to be. And if it doesn't play out, that's what we remember. But oftentimes they actually do get it right. And I would tend to agree, especially if you read the details of the article, the argument for bonds. Now, the way that we are looking at bonds on our investment committee is that they can be a very powerful tool, especially if you can hold them as individual bonds. And so that's one of our capabilities, the individual bonds where you can hold them and ride through some of the volatility that we have seen in the bond market over the last few months. If you have the option to just hold on to them to maturity, that's some pretty good coupon income that you can clip at these levels. So let's just make sure that our, that our listeners get that piece. And we're certainly not, you know, poo-pooing a bond funds no, or bonds exchange rate funds. We're saying there's an alternative way, and that is holding the individual bonds of themselves because then you know 
you're going to get par when they come to maturity. And so uh, that is really a good point. But let's go back to the Treasury. They have proven to be really bad traders, haven't they? <laughs> they really have. You would have hoped that during the zero interest rate policy of the Fed, that the Treasury would have started issuing longer dated bonds, but they didn't. And so instead of bottom ticking yields and basically locking in those low yields for a long period of time, they didn't do anything. They just kept issuing bonds as they typically did. And now they're beginning to issue those longer dated bonds at these higher yields. And so it's almost like they're doing the exact opposite of what a good trader would. They failed to lock them in at a low yield, and now they're locking them in at the high yield. And it just really doesn't make a lot of sense. I understand that it's, you know, the bureaucracy, but still, you think that they could put on their trader hat a little bit occasionally. And, and think about that. You know, we just have uh, three or four PhDs running around, you being one of them <laughs> here at Annex Wealth Management. But over at the Fed, there's thousands yes. of them. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the reason why I point that out is because Joe Schmo from Kokomo knew that he had to lock in his mortgage rate, yep. right, and not wait to get up to, to get up to 8%. Well, that's that's not what the Federal Reserve did. That's right. Yeah. And, and in fact, it's so interesting how the average mortgage rate right now is around 6%. But do you have to pay if you take out a new mortgage? It's closer to 8%. It's one of the reasons why we have some really interesting distortions in the housing market. People feel locked in to their homes that they're in because of the mortgage rate. You don't necessarily want to pay that off, pay off the par amount, and then have to get into something at 8%. However, keep in mind, in the United States, we oftentimes do have the ability to refinance. So even if you do take out that 30-year fixed or a seven-year arm, there's the option that if rates do come down, that you can refinance. And more and more people are getting comfortable with that idea. Exactly. And so there's a lot that could happen in next year, and that could mean lowering of rates. And we'll have to see if that happens right in front front of the election. And why would Mm -hmm. that happen? Lots of reasons. One is that we saw the Atlanta Fed, which is generally pretty aggressive with their GDP estimates had 4.9% for Q3, but that comes all the way down to 1.2% for Q4. Now, you pointed out last week part of that was inventory build. That can get taken away, though, as well. It can, yes. The big part of the 4.9% was really from a swing in inventories. So is it the case that businesses really built up some inventories in anticipation of the fourth quarter holiday sales, things like that? They do try to seasonally adjust for some of those things. But if they misjudged consumer demand, then you're going to see some fire sale prices on some of that inventory. Yeah, awesome. You were, uh, Can you stick around for the rest of the show? Oh, because I'd love we to. have a great yeah. segment coming up at the end of the show. Excellent. Dr. Brian. Jacobson, Chief Economist, Dave Spano, our President and CEO at Annex Wealth Management. The Annex Wealth Management Tax Smart Planning Strategy Review is powerful, very powerful. We'll talk about it next and share a mind-blowing amount of taxes saved for a new client of Annex. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. If you'd like an honest opinion of where you are financially and where you're headed, it's time for Wealthmetric. Don't ask why, ask why not. Unleash the power of what's next. Wealthmetric, powered by Annex Wealth Management. Click the Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. 
Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Tax prep is what you do when it's time to pay the IRS. Tax planning is what you do year-round to reduce drag, discover opportunities, and create a smart and managed tax strategy. Where do you start and what should you look for? Got two members of the financial planning team in here to discuss. Tom Burkholz is a CFP, financial planning specialist, and an EA with the IRS. Welcome back. Hey, Danny. Eric Strom, financial planning manager, CFP, also an EA with the IRS. Holy cow, we're, we're like, it's raining EAs here. Welcome back. Thank you, Danny. We're here to talk about the Tax Smart Planning Strategy Overview from Annex Wealth Management. Now, it's available to every Annex client, but it really would be particularly useful to clients brand new to Annex as part of their onboarding process. Everything is at AnnexWealth.com slash TaxSmart. We recommend you go to that website. Eric, at the top level, and this is a two-parter, what's the goal for new clients with this and what's needed to do a tax smart review? Well, let me explain where this came from. Our team uh, that Tom and I are a part of, we do the initial financial planning for every new client of Annex and every prospective client of Annex. And we've been doing this a while. As you're doing this and the years are going by, time and time again, we're seeing a theme, Danny. And the theme that we're seeing is that we are finding investors not doing enough tax planning. And it kind of got to the point where, you know what, we throw up our hands and say, enough. We're going to start offering this tax smart strategy review for individuals and investors who are not yet clients of Annex so that we can help raise awareness of tax planning and point out those tax strategies that maybe people aren't utilizing. And what we need, the second part of your question, is really your most recent tax return, some other basic information, not too much, and we can help see what's available for you. Tom, you have probably seen enough tax returns to have a pretty good sense of what can be missed or overlooked during tax preparation. What's usually at the top? Yeah, I mean, we review hundreds of returns every single year. Usually it's something related to deductions or credits. A lot of the time taxpayers don't know that they're eligible for a specific deduction or credit. So that's something we can go line by line down your tax return and point out to you. Another thing that's actually maybe more common is people are actually phasing themselves out of credits or deductions. So people aren't always aware that there's a credit that they think they're getting, but because of their income, they're actually phasing a portion or completely. And it's not even always just those little credits, but those are very important and can add up too. But it's also those broader strategies we see investors not utilizing sometimes like Roth conversions, asset location, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute, and other big strategies, those can even save, we're talking big dollars, potentially over uh, decades of time. We've talked about tax drag on a portfolio. Can our tax smart planning strategy overview help? Yes, it can. Let me give you an example of that. We've all heard of asset allocation, right? Having a diversified portfolio. What's less commonly talked about is asset location. And asset location is all about, well, if you are going to have fixed income investments, it's much more tax efficient to have your fixed income investments in an IRA or some kind of pre-tax account. Similarly, when you talk about taxable brokerage accounts or Roth IRAs, those types of accounts have ideal investment types that should go there. So usually for financial planners, you oftentimes see not going to that level of detail, but asset location is one example of a very potential powerful tax strategy that we see time and time again that people are not utilizing that enough. When we talk about gaps in a plan, what does that mean? 
gaps in a tax plan to me actually mean two different things. So you started the show with really laying out there's a difference between tax preparation and tax planning. So when I think about gaps, I'm thinking, okay, there might be gaps in your tax preparation. So whoever prepared your return, you might be missing something or you might be able to save some taxes here or there. What's actually more interesting to our team, I would argue, is the tax planning. How can we look over multiple years to save you taxes over your entire lifetime, not just in a single year? We're with Eric Strom and Tom Burkholz, Annex Wealth Management Planning Team, Tax Smart Planning Strategy Overview. It's designed to uncover relevant tax strategies that may have an impact. Any example of that? Just last week. So met with a prospective client, so not a client of Annex yet. We looked over their information. We actually found a number of little things that kind of led to some immediate savings, but also showed that this particular individual was a very good fit for a strategy called Roth conversions. And Roth conversions are where you intentionally pay the tax to shift money from your pre-tax bucket where you've never paid taxes on those dollars over to your Roth or tax-free bucket. And in this case, we were able to project that we saw substantial, actually hundreds of thousands of dollars of tax savings over the course of a retirement by intentionally filling up low tax brackets early in retirement, especially while we have lower tax rates that we currently have due to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. This person, they've never encountered these ideas before. And in their circumstance, it was just something that really resonated with them. And it was a huge amount of tax savings over a long period of time. You combine that with those immediate tax savings. This person was actually self-preparing their taxes and they were kind of missing a couple things. But at the end of the day, we delivered a ton of value. And that's the kind of thing we're offering now for listeners who might be interested in getting their own tax smart strategy review. You said hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, folks, your mileage might vary, but it is the Tax Smart Planning Strategy Review from Annex Wealth Management. Get things going at AnnexWealth.com slash TaxSmart. Tom Burkholz, financial planning specialist and a CFP. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for coming in. Thanks, Danny. You know what you got to be on the lookout for sometimes? Fortune hunters and gold diggers. Maybe not what you're thinking. That's coming up next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Do you cringe when you look at your high school pictures? So much has changed. From your hair, there might be less or a completely different color, to the innocence of your smile. We grow up and learn the world is bigger than we thought. It's the same with your money. Your views of wealth, legacy, and taxes have all grown up. Has your financial plan? Take a proactive approach. Get an Annex Wealth Management Tax Smart Strategy Review. Visit AnnexWealth.com slash TaxSmart. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Deanne Phillips is Director of Client Learning Development, a CFP, a CDFA, and an ABF. Did I get that one right? Yes, the you ABF. did. All right. Well, welcome back. Thank you. I am not sure which of the many hats that you wear this fits under, but let's give it a whirl. We're going to talk about fortune hunters and gold diggers. This is a cautionary tale for all of us because it happens. Oh, it does. When money is involved, the wrong kind of people can start to assemble. It can happen to you and it can happen to some somebody you love. Definitely. I mean, okay, Danny, history and literature are full of fortune hunters. Petruchio in Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew comes to mind. Jane Austen's 19th century, the idea of marriage as a business contract was as powerful as George Wickham's desire for Georgiana Darcy's 30,000 pounds in Pride and Prejudice, which you might have seen. So until all too recently, the wealth of that bride was a consideration that ranked alongside any other factor in her desirability. But in today's age, there are more and more women, especially being left widows, 
And, you know, if you think about it, they have multiple inheritances from their parents, potentially, their partners, whom they tend to outlive, as well as their own career savings buildup. And many of these women have left the financial investing to their partners and once alone. And remember, the average age of widowhood, 58. So they're also left vulnerable to all sorts of potential partners and investors who can seemingly come out of the woodwork, right? There's a phrase, con men don't look like con men, and we need to learn from that. Yeah, you know, investing is risky enough without worrying about whether there's a salesperson out to fleece you, right? So, But effective con artists have to disguise their true motives. They take great pains to blend in, dress for success, seemingly know what to say. However, they often push poorly understood financial products and rely upon confusion to rule the day. They stand ready to assume full responsibility of your financial decisions for you, but don't let them. Remember, they try to bring out your worst traits, greed, fear, insecurity. If you find yourself making investment-related decisions based only on emotions, watch out. We're talking about fortune hunters and gold diggers. This is a broad brush. Let's talk about fortune hunters first. Do fortune hunters tend to be related? Well, you know, these are people who all of a sudden show up after someone passes. Maybe they read the obituary or hear otherwise of someone dying, and they swoop in for no good reason. Now, this could be a long-lost relative, second cousin, twice removed, coming Mm. to help their dear auntie sort out things. And before you know it, they've ingratiated themselves to Auntie in a very short period of time and convinced her to change her will, disinheriting her immediate family. We've seen this. Those are the fortune hunters. How about the gold diggers? Very similar. This tends to be those who come out and prey on the lonely and the brokenhearted. So in terms of dating and swiftly espousing themselves. Right. I mean, think of mom or dad. Maybe they've lost their mate and all of a sudden a new girlfriend or boyfriend shows up. What are signs that we need to watch out for? Well, you know, so it depends. So a very sudden change of a relationship status and also withdrawing from present family and friends, you know, not answering the phone or being unavailable. All of a sudden, it's only that caretaker or the boyfriend or girlfriend that you're hearing from and not your parent or relative. And that person might be putting up the block. They might be. We've seen this happen. But when it comes to managing assets, every investment involves risk. But when you hear a con artist explain it, the investment may be too good to be true. So you need to trust your inner voice if you hear claims like, this is a hot tip from an inside source, then the stock will go through the roof. Oh, or this one, if you hear your investments guaranteed on the return, there's no way to lose money. Get in now or you'll be left out cold. So people are trying to make themselves from an investment point of view, they want to make it easy, want to make be helpful. This deal's so great, I invested in it myself. Everyone did great. Be especially careful if the salesperson downplays the downside or denies that risk exists. You know, it's hard because all of a sudden mom or dad has a new boyfriend or girlfriend. We're the kids, right? What what are we supposed to do? It's tough. And, you know, it's not only just a boyfriend or girlfriend. Sometimes it's a caretaker position as well. Oh, yeah. We can hear about people in this position all of a sudden inheriting everything over family. Now, while this person might actually truly be value-added and well-meaning, there needs to be, as a child, a careful selection process to make sure there are insurances, bonding, values in place through a company that's well-vetted when you select a companion or caretaker also. 
So if there's a fortune hunter or gold digger that sniffs out an inheritance and there's a swoop in, what what happens then? Generally, when we think about these con artists or people who are trying to convince somebody to invest their money a certain way without due diligence, you have to watch out if that salesperson becomes reluctant to provide information on their background, educational history, work experience, information on where your money will be actually held. Is it through a third-party custodian? What commission or other compensation is that? salesperson going to receive? And what's their connection with the venture and affiliates that they're suggesting? Are they selling a product they make commission on? And is it really in your best interest? Now, we're not saying there's a problem with commission, all right? Salespeople often work on that, but you have to know if you're being sold a product and don't be rushed into a decision. In times like this, Whenever there's any kind of a change, death, divorce, disability, anything that leads you into a situation of dismay, gather a trusted resource with you, a friend, a relative, uh, maybe an advisor, a second set of eyes and ears. Bring that person with you to make those decisions and never feel rushed into a financial decision. Fortune hunters and gold diggers, unfortunately, they exist. Deanne Phillips, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Looking for more? At Annex, our team produces original audio and video content to teach, inform, and demonstrate how we think and operate on behalf of our clients. Visit the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel and explore. Just search Annex Wealth Management. Time for Ask Annex. Got a question? You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. If we can help, and I know we can, just click that Get Started button in the studio. Matt Moore is the Investment Team Manager. Welcome. Hey, Danny. And we got Fred Coleman, a CFP and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Thanks, Danny. Question number one. What is the latest on the 60-40 portfolio? If my time horizon is 15 years, should I care? We're 15 years out. No, I don't really think you should. That's quite a long time, you know, when you're thinking about from an investment point of view. At this point, what I think you should be more concerned about is how much are you saving and what's the placement of those savings? Is it a traditional IRA, Roth IRA, taxable account? Those are the things that I would care about more is getting money into the market. Frankly, you know, with 15 years out, you're probably rooting for a flat market for a little while so you could get as much money invested as possible at current prices or maybe even a a large pullback in the market so that you could dollar cost average into lower prices for a rally then to boost your overall return over those course of the 15 years. Thinking specifically about the 60-40 portfolio, that 40% of it, that bond part of it has really been beaten up over the last couple of years. Frankly, that bond bear market that we're in, you know, is longer than some of the big stock market pullbacks that we've seen as well lately too. So it's really uncomfortable for people. In fact, we were just talking to clients recently about this, just about how that feels different from a bond pullback than it does a stock market pullback. But one thing to see that from a fixed income standpoint is that now that yields are going up, that's going to increase your overall rate of return going forward for fixed income. When you think of 10 years and out, that starting yield that you're getting on is going to be the best indicator of what you you're going to get going forward on that. So for 15 years out, I think you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, and you may be reacting to last year because that was one of the worst years since 2008. But this really is also a matter of what your risk tolerance is. At Annex, we take each of our clients through a personalized risk assessment. The risk assessment tells you the investment return for our portfolios and what you can expect for the next six months. So we'll give you a high point, a low point. Usually everybody's okay with that high point, but if that low point is uncomfortable for you, then maybe the portfolio is too aggressive. Question two on Ask Annex, do I really need to understand a company's core business if the fundamentals look solid? 
Yeah, it's yeah. a good question, Fred. Why don't you start us off on this one? Sure. Yeah, fundamentals are very important, especially when it comes to determining the value of a stock price. And understanding a core business is a part of that process. Each security that you own should play a specific role in your portfolio and complement the other positions that you own. But not only should you look at the numbers, you should also look at the subjective side of the business. How does the company make money? What are their competitive advantages? How good is the management team? And what are risks to the business? But these are all things that the balance sheet doesn't necessarily tell you, but are very important to understand. Yeah, knowing that core part of that business is going to let you know how repeatable those fundamentals are. If it's something that's sustainable over long time periods, that they have a wide moat around what their core business is, that they do what they do better than other companies, and that they're in a business cycle that's going to be repeatable for them is going to tell you a lot. Fundamentals tell you something that's a flash in time right now, or maybe over the last 12 months, or maybe you could pull that out a little bit further and look at some time series on that. But understanding what they do each and every single day, and is that repeatable for that company going forward? And then again, and what threats are they going to see in terms of other companies trying to do that as well. But you really want to understand what that company does. This is Ask Annex. Got a question for us. You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. Don't have to be a client. We want to hear everybody's question. Next one. Should I count my employer's contribution to my retirement plan as part of a 15% retirement savings goal? Yeah, one thing to keep in mind, anytime we throw out those numbers, that 15%, that's a broad recommendation. For a lot of people, 15% will be more than enough, even if you do include your employer match. But there are a lot of other factors to consider. What age do you want to retire? How much do you plan on spending? What will your tax rate be? When will you take Social Security? When we run financial plans, we take all those things into consideration, and you'd be surprised how much you'd earn extra at the end just by saving a couple extra percent out of your check. It can make a significant difference in your nest egg. So if you can't do 15 on your own, then anything the employer contributes on top of that is just a bonus. You know, I've never heard of someone saying they had too much in retirement. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. You know, I think that's what's really powerful about how we work with clients and the software that we use as well, too, because you can have an idea of where you're going to be at different points in time, and you can play with those numbers to achieve what goals you have specifically. You know, I just think from a general standpoint, as I wouldn't count it, just if I'm just going to try to look at just broad numbers, because like you said, no one complains about having too much later on, but it's also a battle of, okay, what do I have today? Do What do I want to defer to the future? I would use that as the cherry on top of that ice cream sundae in terms of your savings goals long term. But ultimately, you know, it's going to be very specific to you. And I think that's so powerful what we do with clients in that way. Run the score up a little bit, right? Oh, for sure. There you go. Matt Moore is the investment team manager. Thanks. Thank you. Fred Coleman, CFP Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Is passing your family home to the next generation a good idea when legacy planning? Maybe. Maybe not. We'll talk with one of our wealth strategists about that next. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Need to reach Annex Wealth Management but want to skip the computer? That's no problem at all. Give us a call. We're at 239-350-6363. That's 239-350-6363. Let's talk soon. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Well, this might be the shortest segment ever done on this show. I'm going to ask Amy Kiskala, an estate planning attorney and a wealth strategist at Annex Wealth Management, the following question. Do houses make for terrible wealth transfer vehicles? Yes. There you go. Segment's over. Thank you. No problem, Danny. We're not going to stop there. We're going to dig in a little deeper. Home may be where the heart is, but after it's inherited, it's where heirs must manage upkeep and deal with family conflicts related to what to do with it. What's a better way? And that's what we're going to explore. Used to be the American dream included not only buying a house, but passing that same house on to children. But what's the unspoken truth, Amy? 
It is a bit of an over-exaggeration to say that it's a terrible wealth transfer vehicle. But transferring your home to your children does come with some challenges. You can be passing along financial burdens, red tape, home maintenance responsibilities, potential family conflict, and housing market volatility. All of the above, right. A study from Money and Family found 68% of homeowners plan to leave a home or property to heirs, yet 56% haven't told them about their plans. That could be a problem. It could be a problem on a number of fronts. So if the state plan doesn't specify who inherits the house, then the children might have to decide if they're going to own it together, which can create some conflicts, or if one of the children is going to take it over. Whoever takes over the home will need a plan to pay those ongoing expenses. And these can be hard decisions to make after mom or dad is gone. So having that conversation while mom and dad are alive can be beneficial in determining whether any of the children would want the house and what the plan is to pay those homeowner expenses. Right, because if your kids are spread out over the the country who you know who's going to wind up with it yeah oftentimes that, I think parents assume that the kids want the house when the reality is is they may be living all over the country right the question is do houses make for terrible wealth transfer vehicles amy kiskala is an estate planning attorney and wealth strategist she said yes kind of <laughs> let's talk about the financial burden As many of us are aware, there's a lot of expenses that go with owning a home. You've got home maintenance and improvements, utilities, property taxes, emergency repairs, insurance. Good idea for all the parties to know what those costs are. There can also be additional complications if there's a mortgage on the house. So let's say mom took out a mortgage at 3%. After mom dies, if you're inheriting the house, you're going to have to refinance that mortgage in your own name. And if you're doing that under today's rates, closer to 8%, those mortgage payments can be higher than you anticipate. And what if the heirs want to sell the home? There's a lot involved with that. And let's say there's a couple of kids and they've got this hot potato now of a house. What I would hate, I guess I'm thinking of my situation, I'd hate for the my boys to just unload the thing because they wanted to unload it. Right. You want to be really thoughtful about that. And there can be a lot of steps to selling a house. So one of the first things you have to determine is, well, how is the house titled? And does somebody even have authority to sell the house? So if there's a probate involved, that might mean the executor or could be the successor trustee if your house is owned by a trust. Often a good idea to use a realtor and an estate planning attorney to help guide the family through that process. So we do this because owners often have a deep emotional attachment to their homes. So when people gift their homes to children and heirs, they're not just given an asset, they're endowing them with all the good memories that were made on the property, but it can open up a can of worms. There are better ways to plan through what to do with a family home. What have you seen work? I've seen this transition work well when parents do have those conversations and really go through that thought process ahead of time during their lifetimes and have a plan in place. So oftentimes it might make sense, you know, the kids may be spread across the country, but there may be one that's living locally that it does make sense for that child to take over the house. Then you want to make sure your estate plan is written to take that into account. So let's take an example. All right, so you've got two children, mom and dad have a house worth 500000 and other assets worth $3.5 million. So if there is one kid that wants the house, then the estate plan could say that maybe that child gets the $500,000 house and $1.5 million of other assets, while the other child is going to get $2 million of other assets. I guess it would be a 
conversation because first you need to talk to the kids, right, and see what they might be interested in. But do you need to negotiate with your kids? That that's that's a different question. So it's important to set that up before you talk to the estate planning attorney, but then to put the plan in place and say, okay, guys, here's how it's going to go. Yeah, the estate planning attorney can walk you through what that process looks like. Sometimes you can set it up ahead of time. Sometimes you may not know. And so maybe your estate plan gives the children the option. Like you may not negotiate with your kids, but maybe they negotiate with each other after your death to decide if one of them maybe wants to take over or buy the house from the other. There's a reason, Amy, that you're on the team, Amy Kiskala, for stuff like this. She's an estate planning attorney, a wealth strategist at Annex Wealth Management. She and the rest of the bunch can help you. Amy, thanks for the time. Thank you, Danny. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Robert Chastain, Branch Director and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management here in Southwest Florida. Living life in retirement. Stuff you don't put off. That's coming up next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. At Annex Wealth Management, our goal is to provide insight for complex financial decisions. For attorneys seeking CLE credit, join us November 14th at Shula Steakhouse for our presentation, Treatment of Quadro Distributions Post-Divorce. For tax consequences in today's environment, join our chief economist for navigating the markets, strategies in an ever-changing tax environment, November 15th at M Waterfront Grill. And come to our open house at our new location, 4901 Tamiami Trail from 2 till 5, November 16th. Details at AnnexWealth.com slash events. Annex Wealth Management. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News, linking up with Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management here in Southwest Florida. Hey, Robert. Hi, Danny. Well, folks, if you have planned properly, retirement is a time to shine. Enjoy life, not limit yourself. It's about quality of life. We're going to go over a list of things you don't need to cut back on in retirement. This should be a fun conversation. The first one isn't all that fun, but it's important, and that's health insurance and elective procedures. Don't cut back on that stuff. Not one bit, Danny, because poor health will bankrupt you quicker than anything else. And here's the other thing. While you're working, don't wait to get in shape. Use your health benefits before you retire that you have from your uh, employer. And get in there for your NASCAR pit stop and your (laughs) tune-up. And, uh, you know, try and get everything taken care of so you hit retirement in a great frame of mind. And, you know, and then uh, hopefully the costs are less, too. Yeah, they're going to take me back to the garage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's the pit stop and then there's going back to the garage. And DNF. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, next up is lifelong learning opportunities. So why wouldn't you? I mean, take a cooking class, uh, audit a class at a college. I mean, do something, but expand your mind. Well, and, and you know, you really hit the main topic there, your brain, uh, your mind, challenge it. If you don't use it, you'll lose it just like everything else. If you don't use your body, don't keep it moving. Uh, you know, it becomes sedentary and it gets used to it. So learn a new language, a new instrument, practice some music, some art, make yourself think. You know, and get out there and socialize because then, you know, you get to talk about uh, politics and religion, which are the two favorite things for everyone. Yeah. And then get in good shape because you'll probably be in a fist fight. Uh, Number three, (laughs) home upgrades for comfort and safety. And I guess that makes sense because more of us are aging in place. You know what, Danny, I I talked to my wife about this, and she said one of the worst things that they see in the hospital are people that fall. So de-trip, and that was her word, get rid of anything in your house that you could trip over. And that's one of the first things, if you break a hip or shoulder, really, really set you back. 
you know, but don't put off these needs if they arise. You know, if you need grab handles, uh, non-slip tubs, do it. You know, one of our biggest trip hazards is our pets, because when my wife cooks, they like to be right underfoot, just in case anything falls to them. And we're going to get to Clean pets up a little bit. <laughs> Clean up. Yeah, that's what I say. Uh, we're with yeah. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management here in Southwest Florida. Eight ways to live your best life in retirement. Ah, number four, what a great one, travel. If your health and your budget allows it, there are many ways to travel where it doesn't have to cost you thousands, thousands of dollars. Maybe go to a city like like me and my wife went to Barcelona, rented an Airbnb, and we went to the grocery store. We didn't eat out all the time, but we walked. We looked at a lot of museums, saw a lot of the sites. Then we went to Rome, uh, the Amalfi Coast did the same thing. You don't have to do it at the five-star level. You can do it with the locals, and then you get a better flavor of how they really live anyway. That type of travel is what interests me and my wife, and maybe it will work for you as well. Number five, experiences and entertainment. It kind of goes hand-in-hand with travel. Well, experiences and entertainment while you're at home or, you know, your staycation, there's so many things in southwest Florida you can do. Walk the beaches, shell, go sit at a a waterfront restaurant and just have caught you don't have to have big elaborate meal but just get out and about there's so many great things to see and do in southwest florida go see a high school football game i bet you can put a plug in for that right well you know you know there's uh, nothing like friday night lights last friday was the last regular season game and we are awaiting our playoff assignments so it'll be interesting that's right talking about stuff you want to do in retirement not cutting back on things like fitness equipment gym memberships i know i'm preaching to the choir here you're a big believer in that well i am you know and we talk about fitness a lot danny and you know before we we started talking we're talking about your cold plunge you know and here's the thing, stop making excuses, get out there, get started. That is the number one thing that you can do for yourself, get started. January 1st is coming, you'll make that New Year's resolution, do it now. Do it now because all that new gym equipment all gets sent back or sold at garage sales. Get And, and you don't have to buy a bunch of new equipment. Get walking, get moving, play, play some pickleball, tennis, whatever it takes, but get out and use your body. Number seven on the list, groceries. I mean, it's almost kind of an automatic, but eat healthy. Danny, you know, when you're working full-time, you know, you have other things going on. A lot of people eat on the run. That's why there's so many drive throughs right? And they're everywhere. Now, when you're in retirement, you have a little more time, meal plan. Don't eat out of a box. Just try and take anything processed out of your diet. You'd be amazed how much better you might feel. Final thing that's going to bring some joy to retirement, pets. I don't know if you know this, Danny, we have a uh, seven-month-old ankle biter that uh, is giving us a run for our money. But the nice thing about pets, they never share any of your secrets. They never tell on you. If you think it's too daunting to get a pet, maybe offer a neighbor to pet sit or just take them for walks or something. Just see if if that, you know, fits you or if getting a pet would uh, fit into your life. Well, we've talked about this before. I've got three golden retrievers and you've got a puppy. Dogs are a lot of you know, dogs are, are tough because you got to get back, you got to let them out, things like that. We're probably mm-hmm. going to a cat phase maybe in our next thing, but I, you know, I'm not sure, but I just love pets. So we're talking yep. about the things that bring joy to you in retirement. Plan for it. That's what we do at Annex Wealth Management. Let's talk about a big event that is coming up in just a couple of weeks, and we're all really excited about it. 
Oh, we are, Danny. November 16th from 2 to 5, we're having our grand opening. We'll have some refreshments, some food. The mayor's going to cut the ribbon at 2 o'clock, the mayor of Naples. Yeah, and that's a nice Thursday afternoon, right? It's 2 till 5 on a Thursday. It is. Yeah, so we're not going to get in the way of really anything. Just kind of come out and hang out with us on that Thursday afternoon. It's going to be a lot of fun. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. You know, we do a lot of work with businesses. One thing we offer is something called Annex Executive because executives have different compensation. Sometimes their taxes can be a little bit more complex. That's coming up next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee is locked and laser-focused on every aspect of the markets. Go deep with the SWAT podcast. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Delivered every Monday morning on Spotify. Search Annex Wealth Management for the SWAT podcast. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Joining us, Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client, also a wealth manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Danny. You work with a wide variety of clients. Many tend to be executives and business owners, and they can tend to have specialized needs. We're going to talk about four key discussion points and what Annex Executive Program can do for these individuals. The first would be stock options, the need for a strategy for that. Yeah, so there's a lot of situations where folks work themselves up in their career and get to a point where they're issued stock options and not options as puts and calls, but the ability to purchase a stock at a given price at the corporation they work with. A lot of times they don't know what this means. How do you do it? What do I do? What is the strategy? So we come in and we work with these folks, help them lay out a plan because there's always the rule of thumb, right? Exercise two years from expiration or, or things like that. But in reality, every situation is different. And we have the team and the tools to come in and say, well, this is your best option based on your tax plan, based on your earnings, based on what you've been issued. Let's do X, Y, and Z. Review and analysis year over year over year. And Annex Executive and the team we have is built to handle that every year. And how it works with their compensation and their entire plan. Correct. It's looking at it from a holistic, sometimes I say that seems cliche to say holistic, but in reality it is. It's a whole picture, compensation, potential deferrals, options, outside income, so maybe investment income, maybe rental income. How does that all fit and what does it mean? Probably leads us to our next thing to talk about, guidance for net unrealized appreciation, NUA. One-time planning opportunity, is that right? It is. It's all about hitting certain gates, and I use air quotes, gates as we call them here, because when you hit a certain threshold, you can do this. But if you maybe withdraw at a certain time, then it negates the opportunity. So it's being real cognizant of what you have, how you have it, how it's set up. There's a local company that we work with. There's a lot of folks that have been there a long time. And the opportunity to purchase stock in their 401k has been offered to them. Maybe they've been there 20, 30, even 40 years in some instances, and they've been purchasing stock and it's appreciated in value. So maybe they purchased it and their total money put in is $100,000, but it grew to a million. Well, the IRS says you can pull that out and put it into an individual or a joint or a brokerage account and get specialized tax treatment on that. But you have to make sure you hit those gates. And to do it right is incredibly important. Tax ramifications, there's tax opportunities, there's multiple layers that have to be watched to make sure it's done correctly. But when it's done right, the planning opportunities are huge. 
Well, here's the thing. They're busy doing their jobs, right? They might not even know how to track this, watch this. I mean, this is what the Annex Executive does. Exactly. Working with us, it's our job, one, to understand this. And internally, we've built out basically a step-by-step flowchart for us to build it out, track it, get it in place, and execute it, and then also get the supporting documentation to your CPA to make sure everybody's on the same page. Lots of plates are spinning. Brandon Lehman, director of Annex Private Client, also a wealth manager, CFP with Annex, joining us to talk about Annex Executive. That's a program and how it can help business owners and executives. We've got to talk about tax planning. We're not talking about getting returns done by mid-April. This is year-round stuff. Kind of mentioned it a little bit already, but tax planning is so critical from not just an executive standpoint, but a business owner standpoint. So yes, they're executives, but business owners, senior executives at companies, because because there are so many moving parts to those compensations. When you look at flow through income from a business owner on maybe an LLC or an S Corp, or you look at stock options, vesting, how do you handle that? How do you adjust? Are your quarterlies in the right spot? Something that we look at every quarter and how you really do at the start of all of it is a paycheck. Then you annualize paychecks and it gets a lot more complex than that, but that's where you start and you look at it every quarter. And that way you have very few surprises, hopefully, come the following April. Annex Executive is a program that helps executives when there's questions about a number of different things. Deferred comp, that's got to be one of them. Deferred comp is probably one of the biggest questions we get. And the question is, how do I do it? How do we schedule it? How much do I do? And we walk through all of that. And the beauty of it is our planning software. Then once we start to figure this out, you can layer in the deferred comp with different payment schedules and look at it and see, wow, this is going to give me an income stream for X amount of time in retirement. Maybe it covers health insurance because I retired early until 65. Maybe it covers the travel costs that we want to have. But we figure it out ties directly into the tax plan because how much you defer ties into taxes, which means you lower your taxes. All these opportunities are there. And it's a lot of fun. It's complex. But Annex Executive is designed to work with these folks specifically and handle all these unique opportunities that they've worked hard for. Stock options, net unrealized appreciation, tax planning, deferred comp, business execs, business owners, put Annex Executive team on your side, handle those unique financial planning needs. Brandon, square in the middle of it with Annex ready to roll up his sleeves for you. Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client, also a wealth manager and a CFP with Annex Wealth Management and part of the Annex Executive Team. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. When you come to Annex, you get the whole team. That approach means you'll consistently interact with a group of experienced professionals who have key credentials, certifications, and knowledge in investment, tax, estate planning, and more. Visit AnnexWealth.com and click that Get Started button. We're back in Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Reminder, this show is going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour. And I kind of forgot earlier, if you're looking for some great content produced by Annex Wealth Management, the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, very good with over 1,500 videos that we have produced. Also, our SWAT podcast Monday mornings from the Annex Wealth Management investment team. Dave, you were talking earlier about all of the letters behind uh, Brian's name, but we got a lot of letters behind. And I was thinking about the cost of the education for the people that, yeah, that right. put, you know, that kind of work <laughs> on behalf of our clients. Nope, so what sure. a value that is. The Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, about 20 minutes, releases early on Monday morning and definitely worth a listen if you want to get dug in deep on the markets and the way we're looking at things. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management. I often pester you with questions. So a week or so ago, I saw Jamie Dimon, who is the CEO of JP Morgan, mm-hmm. yep. right? High profile guy. 
incredibly wealthy. Yeah. Has done very well. Mm-hmm. His personal wealth is what? Uh, last I checked, $1.7 billion, according to Bloomberg. So, and he was going to carve some of his investment in J.P. Morgan off. And I yeah. wondered why that was. And I didn't know if it was the same case. Sometimes you'll see, like Stevie Nicks has sold sure. her entire catalog. Peter Gabriel has done that. Springsteen, Springsteen sold yeah. everything. Yeah. And I remember asking some of our estate people about that. And they said, you know, sometimes it's a tax issue. Mm-hmm. Is that the same case here? You know, it could be. Uh, so just for some perspective, he has approximately $1.2 billion worth of his net worth in that one stock. Right. So that's in about JP Morgan in JP Morgan stock. So that's so 70% 1.2 out of 1.7. 1.2 out of wow. 1.7. So I'm not going to cry for him. Right. I mean, he's still got 500 million that he could kind of play with, even if JP Morgan, uh, if the stock doesn't perform well. But that is some massive what we would call concentration risk. Now, some of this could be tax related as far as, hey, if he divests himself of it now, he's probably got a pretty decent capital gain on there. And we know that a lot of the tax provisions that were implemented under President Trump are set to expire in 2026. Mm -hmm. And so now is almost kind of like the red zone. It's almost like crunch time for a lot of individuals to kind of think about, do I want to realize gains now? Do I want to realize income now at the rates that I know or run the risk of having higher rates come 2026 and beyond. And that certainly could happen. We all know about the $33.5 trillion in debt, and certainly they're spending more than they're bringing in. So there is just going to be an argument for revenue. Where is the revenue coming from generally is from taxation. And so mm-hmm. that is going to happen. And as that begins to expire over the next two years, we're probably going to see a lot of this, Danny. Brian used the term concentration risk. Is that something that annex private client clients find themselves facing as well. They do. So think about it. If you own a tool and die company or you worked at a company that had publicly traded stock and it started to become an overwhelming part of your net worth or you're just a small business owner, whatever, you own the restaurant down the street, most of your net worth is tied up in that business. How do you begin to divest? That's what private client does. Yeah, and we have a great team where they specialize in dealing with these complex situations. I mean, that's really what private client is all about, is trying to to come up with solutions to complex problems for these individuals. And when you kind of think about, let's say that you own a business, a tool and die business, and it might not have publicly traded stock. That's one type of problem. Another type is if you're an executive at a company where there is publicly traded stock, is it in your 401k? Is it an incentive stock options that you have? All of these have different tax implications and different strategies, different solutions that you can use to deal with those problems. Uh, You know, one of the things that we encounter a lot of times is people, uh, company match for a 401k, it might be in the form of company stock. Well, if you have held that for a long time and it becomes a big part of your portfolio, there's something called net unrealized appreciation. It's a strategy that can sometimes be used to really help manage and minimize the tax implications of when you need to start taking distributions from that 401k. And another situation that we encounter oftentimes is somebody who has worked for a business, maybe they have a lot of stock, and it's just too much 
huge part of their portfolio. How do you manage that risk? So there are different options strategies that can be used. There are also different vehicles, different kind of things that we would say in the alternative space that could be used to help manage some of those risks. So it, they're complex problems, and it just requires a different toolbox than what you can maybe get off the shelf from other advisors or other brokers. And then one of the things I'd like to point out, you know, why would someone do that? For example, you know, we talk about PE ratios, right? Multiples of earnings, right? So if you are a small business and a private equity company comes in and says, I'm going to give you 10 times your earnings, 10 times EBITDA, you get 10 years worth of income out of that. And that's the reason why people are looking at it. I'll take the 10 years worth of profitability right now. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, of course, we have a number of private client meetings this past week, uh, many of them significant, and we bring the whole team to the table. I want you to quickly explain what that looks like. Yeah, so oftentimes what will happen in those situations is we bring in an estate planning expert, a tax planning expert, a retirement planning expert, and then me, an economist, right? Uh, so, but, but know, all of these, all the of these are on, but, but Brian, all of these people are on our team today. It's not like we're going out and having someone from the outside come in. Correct. And so yep. it is, it's not a cost to our client to do that. This is something that is on our payroll already. Yeah, that's right. And we're all here. We meet on a regular basis basis to brainstorm ideas, sit down with the client. We, what we really try to do, define what is the problem, let's design a solution, and then most importantly, let's deliver on the outcome. Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Dave Spano, our President and CEO. Thanks for hanging out. The concentration risk, I've heard that often, but that's something we help with clients all the time, and we're ready. We are ready, and of course, if this uh, applies to you, uh, go ahead and reach out to us, and you know, I think you'll be impressed by the talent that we can bring to the table. Ladies and gentlemen, what you do now affects next year and the year after and the span of your entire retirement. This is the time. AnnexWealth.com is the place. We're ready as a fee-only fiduciary partner. Let's start the conversation. Click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. We're going to be back here next Sunday at noon. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.